Well, praise the Lord. It's great to see each one of you today. Turn, if you would, in your copy of the Word of God to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17, as we peruse through the book of 1 Kings, we come to a very important chapter today. We meet a guy named Elijah. And uh, many of you uh, know him and know all about him. Hopefully, we'll learn some new things about him. Uh, I'm thrilled that you're here this morning. Thank you for being a part of this service. Thank you for those who are listening on live stream, and I appreciate you so very much. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, Elijah, the Tishbite, who was the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kareth, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went, and he did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Kareth, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Father, thank you this morning, how we've been blessed, Lord, and drawn close to you. And I pray this morning, Lord, the words of that song would be so true that, Lord, we desire you. We pant after you. Lord, we want you in this place more than anything else. Lord, I realize if you come down into this place, there are going to be some things that's going to come out that maybe we might not like. But Lord, it would be the best thing in the world for every one of us to get clean before you and ready to receive you. Lord, I pray this morning how we need you. I pray that you will fall fresh on this place. We're counting on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Elijah is front and center upon the stage. God takes a man who's an absolute nobody and uses him to literally shake the throne of all of Israel. Israel was in the grip of pagan worship. Uh, the Phoenician god Baal. Baal was a god of fertility. They felt like that when the sun rose up, that was the face of Baal. And when the thunderheads rolled into the sky, his followers believed they were about to receive the blessings of Baal in the form of rain on the earth. So this entire nation was tied up in a godless, uh, uh, horrific, uh, false god worship in Baal. And the Bible says in Ezekiel 22:30, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that, that I should not destroy it. But he said, I found none. I found none. God raises up an old leather lung fireballing preacher from the wilderness who loved God and was faithful to God and yet hated sin. We find in our own country that all that's happening now is doing without God has finally undone us. We've gotten rid of God and it's finally undone us. I love watching the old black and white shows. I love Lucy and Andy Griffin and 
Beverly Hillbillies and, you know, all those shows like that. And I was reading about uh, I Love Lucy uh, back in the late 50s. They were coming up with a bedroom scene. And the networks would not air it. They said, no, absolutely not. And the only way they would agree to air it was if they had twin beds and they stayed in their own bed. I thought, boy, haven't we come a long way. Come a long, long way. We live in an environment where behaviors that used to be defined in psychological journeys, uh, journals as mental illness, we're being told now that's the normal way of life. I want to tell you, you guys right here in this place here, you're the people who are mentally ill. You're the right-wing terrorist. You're the, the, the problem that our country has. Uh, and I, I want to tell you, we need people who will stand up. I want to say something at the end. I, I told the early service, I really ought to just say this one sentence and then sit down and shut up, but I'm not. I'm going to preach the whole message. So you, you stay with me, all right? Uh, try to stay awake back there uh, if you possibly can. I, Bill Darby told me a story about a guy that kept going to sleep during church. Uh, he was one of those older men that learned to, whistle, uh, to whisper in a sawmill if you know what I'm talking about, but he would always go to sleep and it bothered his wife so much. And uh, she just finally said, look, what can I do to keep my husband awake? And somebody said, you take a little piece of that Lindberger cheese and just kind of put it in front of his nose uh, when he goes to sleep. And uh, so she did that Sunday morning. He hollered out, get your feet off my pillow. Now, you folks back there in the back and all up there now, you, you stay with me, all right? Don't, don't go too far. Stay with me, all right? I believe that God is looking for men and women who will stand up and uh, say, look, this is what the Word of God says, and we're going to live by the Word of God. When God allowed Elijah to stand before Ahab boldly and say there'll be no rain, it was a challenge. But what God was saying is, you people think you can serve false idols? You people think you can have all these gods? You people think you can worship all these? I want to show you who the real God is. You're going to find out who Jehovah really is. It's not going to rain for three and a half years. You're going to find out who the real God is. The message is it's not going to rain till I say so. Leviticus 26, they didn't just wander into this position. He said, if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I'll punish you seven times more for your sins. Deuteronomy 11, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath will be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain, that the land yield not her fruit, and lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. This is not something that came by surprise. This is something that God told them from step one when they left Egypt. You follow me, you obey my commands, I'll be with you, I'll bless you, I'll make you a great nation. You don't follow me, you, fall, you worship false idols, I will bring judgment. And that's exactly what God's done. Uh, as soon as Elijah stands up before the king, <laughs> he's immediately told, hey, go, go hide. Go to the brook of Kareth and hide. Uh, I just got to thinking about in our modern day what it would be like uh, for some of these old preachers that we've had in the Bible. Uh, Noah, 
his message from the steps going up into the ark was not something good is going to happen to you today. That's not what he said. Amos was not confronted by the high priest of Israel for, or for proclaiming uh, confession is possession. You confess it and then you possess it. I want a pink Cadillac. I'm confessing it. I'm going to possess it. Jeremiah was not put into the pit for preaching, I'm okay, you're okay. Daniel was not put into the lion's den for telling people possibility thinking will move mountains. John the Baptist wasn't forced to preach in the wilderness and eventually beheaded because he preached, smile, God loves you. The two prophets in the tribulation are not going to be killed for preaching God's in heaven and everything's all right, don't worry about a thing. And the message of all of these men, including Jesus, included one simple word, and that word was repent. Repent. The word careth here means to cut down or to cut off. God tells Elijah just as quickly as he's placed him before men, he'll quickly remove him from men. And according to verse 4, God's got some plans for Elijah when he gets there. The Bible tells us that the brook of water at that place dried up. And then he told Elijah to go to Zarephath. There were uh, his needs would be met there. When he arrives at the brook and he arrives at the widow's house, he will be there. My question to you today is, are you there? You say, preacher, what is there? Well, for Elijah, there was a brook and a widow's house. For Noah, there was an ark. For Daniel, there was a prayer room that led to a lion's den. Therefore, the three Hebrew children was a fiery furnace. To be there for Ruth was a field owned by Boaz. For David, there meant the throne of Israel. For Paul, there meant a prison cell. For Jesus, there meant a cross. In other words, there is where God wants you to be. I'm asking you this morning, are you where God wants you to be? Is your walk with God where God wants you to be? Because if it is, you've got some great things that's going to happen. And yet if you're not, you're going to miss a great deal either. There's some things you're going to find out when you get there. When you get to the place where God wants you, there's some truths that are here that I want us to, to just look at this morning. When you get there, when you get where God wants you to be, I'm not talking about anybody, but I'm talking about you, just you. When you get there, it's a place of promise. God says in verses 4 and 9, he promised Elijah that the ravens would feed him there. When he got in where God wanted him to be, by that brook, he told a widow woman in, the, in Zarephath there that he commanded to sustain him. When you get there, you'll discover that God promises are true. And they're always what he says they're going to be. God doesn't go back on his word. His promises are going to be true. The Bible says if you're there, in fact, Ephesians 3 says that you'll see exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can think or ask. I don't know about you, but when it comes to asking of the Lord, I, my mind kind of goes big. And yet the Scripture says more than I can even think if I'm there, if I'm where God said be. Those who are there are going to see more than those who aren't there. If the Holy Spirit of God comes down on this place today and just sweeps, I'm telling you, you say, well, uh, you think that can happen? That's what I've been praying for. I, I'm telling you, I'm getting tired of preaching. I just assume the Holy Ghost come in here and whoop all of us. 
I mean, just, uh, just God just show up. When we get there and he shows up, we're going to find some things there that the promises of God, uh, we're going to see more than those who aren't. If, if, if he comes today, you're going to experience it. But those who are not here are not going to experience it. You've got to be where God wants you to be for you to experience what God wants you to experience. Elijah, what he saw, <laughs> there, there's a place of provision there. It's a promise, but it's also a place of provision. When he got there, the, fl the ravens flew right in, right on time. Now, now listen, you've got to have some faith to be there. You've got to have some faith to be where God wants you to be. Can you imagine God telling Elijah, I'm going to send some ravens to take care of you. Now, the ravens were an unclean bird. Uh, and I guarantee you, they didn't share their food with nobody. They didn't even share their food with each other. They would fight and kill each other over food. And yet, God said, now, Elijah, you just go there and you drink from the brook. And I'm going to send some ravens down there, and they're going to have bread and flesh for you. And I'll be honest with you, some people make this out like he was eating raw meat. I don't think God did that. I think God sent him a T-bone steak. <laughs> Had some garlic butter on top of it. <laughs> Woo! Well, let's say the benediction and go. Amen. <laughs> I think God supplied every need he had. But it took faith on his part to believe that a raven would do what God said he did. But you see, God controls everything. There are no accidents. There's no coincidences. God controls nature. God controls life. He controls it all. And then it gets even worse. <laughs> Not only is a raven going to take care of you, but he said when the brook dries up, he said, I want you to go to Zarephath where a widow is going to take care of you. And she ain't got a dime to her name. She got a little oil left and, and a little bit of grain in the bottom of a barrel. The barrel completely empty. But don't worry about a thing. God's going to take care of you. Well, it's going to take a little faith to do that. Amen? Watchman Nee said this. I love this. He said, because of our proneness to look at the bucket and forget the fountain, God has frequently to change his means of supply to keep our eyes fixed on the source. See, if we're not careful in here, what we'll do is begin to seek the gifts and not the giver. And, and so, he, it, 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 I mean, that T-bone steak come every day, probably a ribeye tomorrow, and the next day it was a top sirloin, the next day chicken fried steak, and, and, it just, you know, and you just begin to think, oh, I can't wait for the gift. I can't wait for the gift. I can't wait for the gift. But in the middle of all that, you forget the giver. You forget the one who provides it all. And there may be some in this place today that God has blessed your socks off, but you forgot it. You forgot it. So many things have happened and so many things have come and so many things have gone, and you've forgotten that God has been faithful to you. He's provided for you. He's promised you. And then thirdly, there's a place of providence. When he arrived there where God wanted him to be, Elijah was reminded that God is a God who works on both ends of time. <laughs> God knew what you did yesterday. God knows what you're doing right now. Listen, God knows what you're going to do tomorrow and next week. And so it's amazing here. He transcends both of them there. 
Your tomorrow is his right now. And whatever takes place in your life now is because of his advanced planning because he already knew where you were going to be tomorrow when tomorrow gets here and it's today. Don't tell me to repeat that. (laughs) We need to be reminded that really our needs are nothing more than the evidence of God's supply and waiting. God's waiting. He's waiting. when, When we have a need, let me tell you, if we're where God wants us to be, if we're there, if we're where God wants us to be, the check's already written. It's already taken care of. It's already taken care of. The promise, the provision, the providence, but there's also there a place of power because he was there. He got to see the power of God like no one else has seen the power of God. He got to see ravens bringing him bread and meat. He, he got to see God moving. He got to see uh, uh, an oil that just kept on and just kept on and just kept on and just kept on. Mm. Later on, he gets to see God raise a child back from the dead. First time that's happened. God manifested before his very eyes. You know why? Because he was there. He was where God told him to be. When you get there and you stay there, you're going to be in a position to see the manifested presence of God like no other time in your life. Life, when you think it's out of control, he's still got it in control. So you trust it. Have faith. There is also a place of protection. Uh, Let me tell you. When you stand before Ahab and Jezebel and you tell them that it's not going to rain for three years, uh, suddenly you become a wanted man. But as long as you're where God wants you to be, nobody's going to be able to touch you. Now listen to me. Be careful with this because don't just claim that promise. Well, nobody's going to touch me. Well, you've got to be there first. See, if you're not obedient to God... His protection may not be with you. I'm not telling you now that you can do anything. Don't go out here on the loop and jump out in front of an 18-wheeler. If you do, make sure you've got plenty of time to jump off the road before he gets there. That's not what God's saying. But the safest place you can be is in the center of God's will, where God wants you to be. That's the safest place. And it's the greatest place. It's the greatest place of blessings. Now, it may involve some things. Uh, Scripture says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. When you're there, when you're where God calls you to be, there's also a place of privilege, being there. Elijah learned more about God than he'd ever learned in his life. Isn't that the way it is? I mean, when God hems us up and, and, and we're backed up against the corner, isn't that the time when God teaches us more than we've ever learned in our life? As long as the road is fast and furious and everything's great, we're not learning a whole lot. But boy, you let times kind of get tough and hard, 
suddenly we get on our face before God and God's path may lead your life through some treacherous waters but until you go with him and see how he gets you through those impossible waters how are you ever going to know he's God he'll get you through it he can do it he did it for Mary and Martha he did it for Moses he did it for David he did it for Noah he did it for the disciples in the storm. He did it for the three Hebrew children. He did it for Daniel. None of those would have ever known what God could do if they were not going through the trivial times, troubled times. Where are you today? If you're where God wants you to be, I'd say stay there. Don't move. Stay there. <laughs> If you're not where God wants you to be, I would encourage you to get to this altar and get there. Find out where God wants you to be. He's got a place for every one of us in this place today. You say, are you sure? I'm telling you, he's got a place for every one of us. He's got a place. Maybe there's some of you here this morning. You're looking at a dry brook. Maybe you're looking at an empty barrel. Maybe you're looking at a dead boy situation. Could I just remind you that God might have arranged that just for you? Just so you could see the glory and the majestic and the power of an almighty God? You see, let me tell you, had Elijah not gone through the brook at Kareth, had Elijah not gone through uh, the fact of by faith trusting in a widow woman and seeing an empty barrel, he would have never been able to stand up on Mount Carmel and say, bring those 450 prophets of Baal down here. God groomed him, and God is moving you and grooming you maybe to do things in the future that you never dreamed possible. And let me just add this too. Not only did you not dream possible, you're saying in your mind, I don't want no part of it. But if you belong to the Lord, he's got a place for you. Where are you? Romans 8, 28, we, we quote it so flippantly, but it is so true. All things work together. We know. We know that. Do you know that this morning? You say, oh, no, preacher, this happened to me. It couldn't have been from God. According to the word of God, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Job chapter 2, verse 3, the Bible says, The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And still he holdeth fast in his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause? Bring your impossible situations to the Lord. I'm always reminded of that young man. It's a true story. In the military, they'd been ambushed. And uh, one of his friends was, the enemy had come in and just swept him. He was out across uh, toward the enemy and he couldn't get back. He was injured. And the young man said, uh, I I've got to go get him. And his sergeant said, no, you can't go get him. And the young man said, I, I've, I've got to go get him. We can't leave him there. No, you can't go get him. 
There is, it, it, I forbid you to go get him. There is no way you would be killed before you got out there. And finally, he couldn't take it anymore. He jumped up out of the foxhole, ran out there as fast as he could, got his friend, drug him all the way back over into the uh, company lines there, and, uh, and, and, and the sergeant came, of course, gave him a good talking to, but also praised him. And then the sergeant asked this. He said, I, I can't believe you did this. But he said, I kept noticing you were looking at your, your watch. What, what, and then suddenly you just bolted out of here. He said, yes, sir. My mama told me when I went off to war, son, every night at 9 o'clock, I'll be on my knees praying for you. And at 9 o'clock, when the clock struck 9, out of that foxhole he went and gathered his son and come back. Let me tell you something. God answers prayer. He still answers prayer. And he will want to, if you'll be where he wants you to be, bring your heart and submit it to him. Maybe this morning you're in this place and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Christianity is just like politics. There are nuts on the right and there are nuts on the left. And there are people on the right to tell you that if God didn't ordain you to be saved, you're doomed for hell. That's as crazy as a road lizard. God hadn't sent anybody to hell. People go to hell because they reject God. And there are other people over here on this side that say, hey, all you got to do is just live a good life. Everybody's going to be happy in the end. We're all going to be. That's crazy too. But I want to tell you this morning, if the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with your heart, the Bible says with the heart you believe and with the mouth you confess and you can invite Christ to take over your heart. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's, there's, I know in Luke chapter 7, there's three instances of people who came and wanted to be saved and yet Jesus sent them away and they were not saved. If you think you can be saved by coming down an aisle, signing a card, and then leaving here and being anything you want to do, do anything you want to do, you're wrong. That's not salvation. Since Jesus came into my heart, what a wonderful change in my life has he wrought. But if God is speaking to your heart, I'm telling you, you can have a new life. You may have come in here thinking about the barrel is empty and the brook is dry and I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm telling you, if you'll give your heart and life to Jesus and get where he wants you, he will bless you. He'll use others to bless you. So I'm asking you today, are you where he wants you to be salvation-wise? Now, if you want to join a good church, this is a great church, and you're welcome to join this church if you get saved. Those who are not saved, we really don't take too kindly to their membership. Okay, I won't say anything else then. <laughs> Good gracious. Y'all are a tough crowd this morning. You say, preacher, what's that last sentence you want to do? I want to tell you this. What God has shown me that I want to remind us of. And you're not going to like it. There are a lot of people not going to like it. But I want to tell you, I believe God is showing us that our ministry is not to dominate. I'll be honest with you. Uh, 
I wish I could tell you that I think America is going to have a revival and come back. I don't. I think these are the last days. I think things are not going to get easier for Christians. I think they're going to get tougher. So our ministry is not to dominate. If you think we're going to take over the house, listen, we, we've taken over the house and Senate and presidents before and nothing ever happened. Our ministry is not to dominate. Our ministry is to influence. We need to influence. That's why we have a Christian school. That's why we have life group. We're trying to influence you to get into the Word of God. That's why we do worship services. That's why we sing praises. That's why we have kids choir. That's why we have youth ministry, CR, all of those things. Blast. It is not to dominate. It is to try to influence with the power of the Holy Spirit. So if maybe if we need to get our eyes off a little bit more of, well, Congress needs to do this and the president needs to do this, and how about let's just get out and win some folk to Jesus? I, you know, I saw this statistic. I've quoted it to you before, and I'll probably misquote it now because I don't remember all of it. I remember one. I remember two. If we win a child, that family has a 3.5% chance of getting saved, the whole family. If we win a mama... I forgot what it was. It's 20-something percent, 30 percent. But if we win a daddy to Jesus, that family has a 97 percent chance of getting saved, the whole family. And yet we're in a society, I'll just, just let me be honest now, we're in a society that just wants to put men down. Put men down. Listen, men are still the priests of the family. And we've still, we've got to influence men to stand up and be the man of God. And then secondly, not here to dominate, we're here to influence. God help us influence people to be saved. Help us create a spirit here where people say, I want to go to that Will and Hills. Man, I hear, you know, you walk in there, man, there's just a spirit there that you can't explain. That's what I want to see. But the second thing is this. We're not here to rip the tares up either. We're here to reap the wheat. You see, the, the, we don't know who's going to be saved, and we don't know who's going to be lost. We sit here and say, well, I, I, I know that old boy there. I've known him all my life. Ain't no way he's going to heaven. Now, probably somebody said that about the thief on the cross, and yet Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, you know why we don't need to rip the tares? Listen to me. Every one of you in this place today walked in a building just like this, a worship center, one day when you were a tear. And the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of you, and you walked out the door a wheat. So let's don't rip the tares. Let's reap the wheat. Amen. I mean, can you imagine coming into this place a sinner and walking out of this place a saint? You can't do that, but God can. You can't make ravens feed Elijah, but God can. You can't make grain come up out of an empty barrel, but God can. You can't make oil just reproduce and reproduce and reproduce with nothing. But God can. <laughs> and the same God that does all of that desires 
to have a relationship with us. You go figure that out. You'll never figure it. Father, I pray this morning. I pray first of all for those that need you as a Savior, a salvation. Oh, God, have mercy. Lord, let your spirit fall fresh on this place. And those that are sitting here in this place saying, I know, I know I'm not saved, and I don't want to go to hell. God, I pray this would be their day that they walk down this aisle, and Lord, they accept you as their Savior. There are others that need to come to this altar. These altars need to be filled with men saying, Lord, I'm going to be the man of the house. I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to love my family, and I'm going to influence them. I'm not going to try to dominate them. I'm going to influence them. Because I love Jesus, I want them to love Jesus. Lord, there are others that may need a church home. Whatever needs to happen in this place today, Lord, would you just have control of it? And we'll praise you and we'll thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.